After watching a lot of J.J. McCarthy and Michigan, I think he gives us a really good opportunity to talk about how we talk about quarterbacks. Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast. You like it? Three, one, two, three. You, like it? you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, where we're always trying to learn something new. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you so much to those of you who listen every single day here to the Locked On Vikings podcast. You can find the show wherever you find your favorite podcasts, whether it is somewhere where you listen online or on on an, on an app or something like that including the SiriusXM app, where you can also find live games, hometown broadcasts all over the country. You can also find the show on YouTube or Amazon Fire and Roku. Just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and use code LockedOnNFL, all lowercase, for a first deposit match up to $100. Today on the show... It's J.J. McCarthy Day, all right? So uh, if you hate this guy with a, with a, with a fiery passion, if he's, he's just a dude you can't stand at all, this actually is kind of for you. Uh, this is you, Give it a shot, all right? Give me, let, me, let me explain what I'm talking about. If you think he's also God's gift to quarterbacking, this is also for you. Give it a shot. Um, J.J. McCarthy is, it represents this really interesting tier of quarterbacks. It kind of seems like the quarterbacks, the, the big six, as I've been calling them, have sort of separated themselves into sort of the top three and the bottom three. There's the, the Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels. Those guys all feel like top five prospects. If you want one of them, you probably have to trade up to four and hope they don't go one, two, three, right? But what if they do go one, two, three? Or what if you don't didn't want to trade up? And there are a lot of you out there who do not uh, judging at least by by the comments and responses that that I get when I talk about it, a lot of you do not want to give up like a whole bunch of future capital and you know trade through two for two or three first round picks to like get up to pick two or whatever with the commanders. Um, it, even if that is feasible, you don't want to do it, and that's valid. And so let's talk about those options, right? There's Penix, who I've already done a show on, Bo Nix, who I've not yet watched at all, and then JJ McCarthy. Those are the guys you're picking from, most likely, right? Unless you have like a like a wild Joe Milton take or something. But um, those are your guys. I'm not too big on Penix. I see him as a second round kind of guy. I'm about as high on him as I was on Levis, who went in the second round. But I, a lot of people really can't stand this guy. And I'm going to be honest, I spent a long time, like my first impression of him was like, whoa, I like actually kind of don't hate this. And... I, I took that opinion to to some people and got like a ton of backlash too. And like, what do you mean you don't? Like, have you seen like what do you, he doesn't do anything? What are you talking about? And I, and I tried to press on it a little bit more and say, well, what you know, what why? What is the deal? And the most overwhelmingly common answer that I got in trying to ask around a little bit was, well, Michigan didn't want to pass the ball. They didn't trust him. They they were a run first offense because they didn't trust him. And I think that's such an interesting way to evaluate what was going on at, at Michigan. I haven't watched the entire season or anything. I don't think you should have to. Uh, you, you can pretty much get what you need to. Um, but what I see from at least the passing offense, right? I didn't pay a lot of attention to the run game. I hear it's pretty good uh, with Blake Corum and, and those O-linemen are all a bunch of like run graders. Um, but what I saw in the Michigan passing offense 
was definitely the kind of thing that like, were I a play caller, I would like to avoid a lot of that as much as possible. Let's not expose this horrible underbelly of our offense. The thing is, whether or not that's J.J. McCarthy's fault is like a really important part of this question, right? So what I kind of hear is like this, this sort of like proxy-based analysis. We're using proxies for the real central question, which is, is J.J. McCarthy good? And to determine that, we kind of have to make these little assumptions if we're not just like turning it on and looking with our eyes and saying, this is my opinion on how he plays, which is what most of this show is going to be. But a lot of what I see in, in draft analysis um, from not the people who like make draft guides, those guys are like watching players coming up with takes and doing their best and they're wrong sometimes and they're right sometimes and they live and they die by it. And there's, that's their, that's their deal. Right. Um, but, but what I see a lot, from especially statistical analysis is just like naturally has this idea, but also stuff like Michigan ran a lot. Therefore, they must not have trusted J.J. McCarthy. Therefore, J.J. McCarthy must not be good, right? You see how that point kind of makes two leaps in logic? There's like two additional premises you have to like get through before you actually get to the central question you're trying to answer. Because the the thing that, you know, J.J. McCarthy... Uh, like if he is good or not, that's the, the, at the middle of the onion. But the fact that Michigan ran a lot is indisputable. That is very, very true. Uh, but the fact that Michigan chose to run because they didn't trust their quarterback. Whoa, 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 <laughs> that, that part, I might have an issue with that part. Uh, let's see if that part is actually true. And what you get with that proxy analysis is that you have to make that kind of leap. You, you compare any statistical thing. No matter how good the math is, you still have that central assumption that the production of this offense or this defense is in some part thanks to this player. And you can do a lot of things to be more sure about that, like an on-off split, for example. If you're doing a defensive player, you can say, well, they gave up you know, this much EPA per play with him on the field and this much EPA per play with him off the field. Therefore, I can make a pretty good guess that he mattered this much. But you're still like, not going to ever get direct information that way. It's still going to be proxy. And all we can do is try to make the, the line between the proxy and the actual like core of the question we're trying to answer as thin as possible. And that's kind of at the core of what a lot of like analytics is trying to do is taking these proxy ideas and making them as accurate and stable and reliable as possible. But ultimately, it will never be able to get as directly to the heart of the issue as putting your eyes on the dang thing and not being afraid of being wrong. So that's what I've been doing with these quarterbacks. I'm not trying to fall for the proxy analysis. And I also think that there is like a an annoyance <laughs> with Michigan. I think a lot of people don't like Michigan uh, in, in the college football landscape. And I'm not a big college football guy. It is for whatever reason, it doesn't grip me like the pros does. So I'll flip it on sometimes in the background on a Saturday or something like that, but I'm not going to sit down and watch college football on Saturday. Like a lot of people do. Uh, you know, I kind of like, I think I watched the second half of the national championship game. Like I care about that much. Um, so for me, I don't really have, like, I think there was like an overexposure thing with Michigan. It seemed like they were kind of on all the time, especially once they were, you know, the number one ranked team. There's Jim Harbaugh is in, in the media all the time. There's a lot there. They had that whole scandal. So everyone was talking Michigan, 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 Michigan. And I think people got annoyed with Michigan, to be honest with you. Uh, I didn't really have that Michigan annoyance. 
Um, and Michigan was really annoying <laughs> to watch too. Like that annoyance is fair because there were drops and there were, uh, you know, protection busts and there were all kinds of crazy plays. There were these like circus plays where a snap would get botched or a handoff would get botched. Uh, or like a, there was a flea flicker in one of the games that the, uh, I think it was Blake Corum just totally botched the toss back, right? He gets the handoff, he turns around, he tosses it back and totally messes it up. That kind of stuff is really annoying to watch, especially watching that happen and being like, oh my God, this team is going to win the title. We can't do better than these guys. Like, I get it, right? I get being annoyed with it. Um, and I think that some of that that Michigan stink just creeps on you in like the public eye. Um, because I, I can't remember a time looking at a quarterback where everybody looks really hard at the quarterbacks. Like I, I had pretty hot takes at, on like corners sometimes. Like I remember people talking about Keely Ringo about a, as a first round pick around this time last year. And he was one of the first guys I watched. I was like, you're all taking crazy pills. This dude is not good. I'll take my lap on that one. Well, and, and people eventually came around, I think, especially he didn't have a great combine. But like for McCarthy, I, again, I, I'm getting that same feeling. I've never had that with a quarterback before because quarterbacks are usually so overexposed. And it really made me think about the way that we discuss quarterbacks and how much of it is, well, he was on Michigan. You know, like how often do you hear stuff like, oh, Ohio State, they're like with CJ Stroud last year, oh, Ohio State quarterbacks never pan out. Like how many times do you hear that? And isn't that just kind of that same proxy deal? Well, are quarterbacks from Ohio State good? Well, historically, other quarterbacks from Ohio State haven't been good. So this quarterback is also from Ohio State. Therefore, this quarterback is also not good. And if you I mean, if you've taken a philosophy 201 class, you know, <laughs> like that's not logic that follows. Um you have to look at the guy. And so let's enough about all of this, like philosophy crap. Let's look at the guy. Is JJ McCarthy good? There's things I like. There's things I don't like. We're going to talk about both of them. Today's episode of Locked On Vikings is brought to you by DoorDash. DoorDash is especially clutch during this time of year when, hey, maybe you're going to be watching a particularly big sporting event on a Sunday afternoon or, or evening, depending on your time zone. And maybe you don't want to stop and like go order dinner, right? Or maybe you uh, are actually going to be hosting a party. But what if you run out of food or something like that? That can be a pretty big bummer. But why don't you just plug that thing in on DoorDash and get some extra fries or wings or whatever delivered right to your door. You can also use DoorDash to get acquainted with some of the cool mom and pop shops around your area. You can go to all your favorite chains as well, but for me, it's been a really cool way to get a little bit more familiar with my neighborhood, especially places that are on streets I usually don't like go by. I just like don't go that way when I when I go uh, here or there. So go to the DoorDash app, download it, and get 50% off up to a $10 value just for spending 15 bucks or more on your first order. Just download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKED 23. That's 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend 15 bucks or more on your first order just for entering code LOCKED23. Subject to change, terms apply. Today's episode is also brought to you by the best way in the world to play daily fantasy football. It's prize picks and boy howdy. You're going to have a whole bunch of fun with that big old Chiefs 49ers game. Prize picks is the easiest and most exciting way to turn a couple of uh, feisty takes into even up to 100 times your 
money. And by the way, they've got a thing going on right now. If Patrick Mahomes throws for more than one yard, you win on prize picks. I don't know how you guys feel about that amount. Personally, I would take the more than there. <laughs> you can put together all kinds of crazy entries like uh, you can stack together receptions and three-point shots from the NBA. You can stack together, you can combine other players, or you can just kind of go with the classics, receiving yards, fantasy points, that kind of thing. Whatever it is, go to prizepicks.com slash NFL and use code LOCKEDONNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. And don't forget, if Patrick Mahomes throws for more than one yard in the big game, you win on prize picks. That's prizepicks.com slash LOCKEDONNFL, code LOCKEDONNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Okay, enough beating around the bush. Let's talk about J.J. McCarthy. So thank you so much to my hashtag everydayers for hanging out and listening. If you want all things Minnesota sports, uh, if you, dude, go check out Lockdown Wolves. They're having a moment right now. Go check out Lockdown Wolves for this Timberwolves season and how it might maybe falling apart. I don't know. I don't really know basketball, so maybe I'm out of pocket there. Uh, go check that out. Go check out the 24-7 Lockdown Minnesota Sports YouTube feed. Uh, it's a live stream of all things Lockdown Minnesota all of the time, including this show, Lockdown Wolves, Wild, and all the Lockdown Minnesota Sports offering as well. Um... Okay, so here is, let me start with what I don't like about J.J. McCarthy, what I actually don't like. I don't care that Michigan ran the ball a lot. The whole first segment, that's what I'm trying to get at. I just don't care. I don't think that it it fits as a negative on its own, because if Michigan and Jim Harbaugh and all those guys didn't trust J.J. McCarthy, Why? would be my next question. And to find out why, we got to watch him and figure it out anyways. And then we're going to have a much better take, right? If it's, you know, J.J. McCarthy's really inaccurate and he doesn't throw the ball to the right people and he throws interceptions, therefore they didn't trust him, therefore they ran a lot. Well, we only really need that first part because I don't I don't know about you. I'm, I don't care about the Michigan Wolverines and, and their play calling. And I'm not a Chargers fan, so I don't care about Jim Har- Harbaugh's decision making. Um, but we really just need that first thing. So what is it about him that could make them not trust him? Um, I guess like it's, it's, I I don't think this is going to stack up to be enough to answer that question, but if you watch the guys around him, especially, I think his name is Tyler Wilson. He was kind of a rotational guy getting knocked off routes all the time. Um, the Cornelius something number six, uh, was dreadful dropping the ball, also getting knocked off routes. Routes were really slow. Uh, even Roman Wilson, who should get drafted, seems like a day two kind of pick, uh, is at, at least at this juncture, that's, that's where people are talking about him, um, was good, but also inconsistent at times. Also, he had his problems. I mean, they, they got bullied by secondaries a lot and the O-line struggled, right? That's why they didn't trust that passing offense. But with JJ McCarthy, what could be wrong there? Um, so one of the things about JJ McCarthy that bugged me was that he rushes a lot. And I remember thinking, about this when I I first started trying to seriously watch Teddy Bridgewater. He kind of shared this. Um, Teddy Bridgewater, when he was a rookie, he would go way too fast through his progression. He'd look, 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 and be like to a check down before anything broke off. And like anticipation is great, right? Like making quick decisions is very good, but if they're too quick, then you you can't actually run a timing-based offense. You move off everything and and you're just going to kind of check down every play. And that's, that's not exactly a way to move the ball down the field. 
And I kind of saw that a couple times with with J.J. McCarthy, where we would have something that hadn't broken off yet and had the seeds of this is going to work. You know, oh, the safety is working the way you want the safety to work. And, you know, the route's going to cut off underneath him, that kind of thing. But he would already be onto it and onto his check down. So especially with like longer developing routes, you would get this sort of um, this this rush, this hurry to get the ball out. And, and that, that urgency is an OK thing. I think I'd rather rein it in than have to build it up and like teach someone how to work fast. Uh, but something to kind of write down. And then when it came to the deep pass, especially go balls, well, kind of exclusively go balls and stuff on the sideline, dreadful. He just couldn't hit those. That's just not his throw. <laughs> You'd throw all the fades. You could try him if you want. But he was he threw a lot of them uncatchably. He missed guys that whose, whose defensive backs fell down. Like it wasn't even that it was a tight window. It, they were rough. And in terms of why that is, that's kind of the next thing I'm going to try to figure out with with J.J. McCarthy, looking at his mechanics and and the way that he kind of sets himself up to that to see if I can determine an actual cause for that rather than just writing down misses lots and kind of moving on with that. Um, But when it came to deeper passes over the middle, like in the seams over the middle and intermediate stuff and all that, uh, including passes that require velocity to hit like tight windows, pretty good at that. So I think he's got the zippy velocity bullet pass, but that touchy layery stuff was a lot harder. Getting air under it, getting the right trajectory, that was a lot harder. So that's kind of where he's at right now. And as a younger quarter, youngish quarterback, normal for coming out of college, he's 21, which is on the youngish side. Um, that's one of those things you can kind of hope that a little bit of experience will help him work on those deficiencies a little bit. So we're rushing a little bit, longer developing routes, not so comfortable, deep balls, not so comfortable. In general, when it came to throwing stuff further out to the sideline and the way that you have to set your feet up to do that, he was not quite precise with how he set his feet up and it would cause a lot of those passes to sail and you'd be high. You got you know, running backs kind of going all the way up above their heads to get like a check down, right? You can't have that. Um, and the reason that'll happen is if you, if you aren't precise with where you set your feet up, right, especially if you set your feet up closed, meaning like, Hey, I've got to throw all the way like to my left, then your feet are pointed a little bit too much to the right. So you have to kind of like twist over your body to do it. Um, then if you try to put any velocity on it, you try to throw it hard, which he always is trying to throw it hard, uh, to the point where sometimes I, I think his receivers would drop balls that were thrown too hard, which is not a J.J. McCarthy problem. Very much a skill issue on the wide receiver's end. Um, but th- when you do that, it's, I think, easy to put a little bit too much sauce on it and sail that thing high. And then it goes over the guy's head and into, that, into out of bounds. Um, but footwork generally in the pocket was very, very clean. There weren't extra movements so much, which helped him, you know, get the ball out quickly or too quickly as it were. Uh, but it's just a matter of precision and, um, you know, feet kind of being in sync with, with your eyes where you're looking, your feet are pointing where you're looking, your feet are pointing. Uh, you can actually, if you watch like Kirk Cousins go through a progression, on a play where he has he has to go like one two three four across the field, you'll see him kind of set himself up for each throw individually. And I would say Kirk and Dak Prescott are two guys that do all of these little technical things really by the book. They're really good guys to watch for learning like what all that stuff is supposed to look like. Um, and you know the flaws of those two guys is very much in a different part of quarterbacking. So, but like mechanically, they're, they're both lauded, I think, for being really, especially uh, Dak Prescott on the move, but everything Dak Prescott does is really by the book and very, very polished. 
So it's a really good, they're, they're both really good comparison points, which is nice. We get to be really overexposed to a good comparison point and somebody that does all of those little detailed things correctly. And it gives us a sense for, for how things should look. I think that's nice for us. Um, now, there's a lot more about J.J. McCarthy that I like than, than what I don't like. And that's why I kind of say whatever Michigan did and whatever coaching decisions they made, I don't think they were on him. And I think a larger role for him can work out. So, uh, again, bear with me. If you hate him super, super much because you're an Ohio State fan or whatever, deal with it. (laughs) That's what we're talking about for the rest of the show. Today's episode of Locked On Vikings is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is therapy online made easy, and if you and if you are thinking about getting involved in therapy, BetterHelp is a great place to go to get started. They will help hook you up with somebody that matches your personality and your needs uh, from therapy, because not all therapists are made equally, and not all therapists have the right have the same specialties and stuff. And also, it's just like a personality thing. Sometimes you got to just like find somebody that you click with. Otherwise, therapy can can do more harm than good, honestly, if you don't do that, which is why BetterHelp allows you to shift between therapists if that first person doesn't work out for you. It can be different for everybody, and most of us have bigger problems than whatever J.J. McCarthy is like if you drafted him in the second round or whatever. So if you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be flexible and suited to your schedule. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOn. All right, let me uh, wax poetic about a guy that most people hate. (laughs) But hear me out, okay? Again, the question, the central question here is, J.J. McCarthy will have to have a bigger role in the NFL than he had in college. I get it. That's scary. But I think that that will that that he can rise to that occasion. And part of the reason I think that he can rise to that occasion is because of how he handled subpar circumstances is the nice way I'm going to put it. But when there was pressure because the right tackle, I don't know, fell down or when their the receivers routes weren't breaking off uh, correctly because two of them on the same play fell down. Um, <laughs> I don't, don't understand Michigan. But a lot of that stuff would happen. There's a lot of just circus nonsense of guys just messing up and J.J. McCarthy having to sort of find the play anyways. And one thing that Michigan did reasonably well was the scramble rules. Um, this is, I'll give the receivers credit for this, the scramble rules that are more or less universal with a few variants from team to team across college and the pros. But essentially, when the quarterback has to break the pocket and he has to run one way, everybody run with him. And if you're deep, come back, work toward the quarterback. If you're already on that sideline, work toward the quarterback. Or if you're shallow and on that sideline, work deep, run away from coverage. That's basically scramble rules. And Michigan was pretty well trained in that. And so when he would go over, he would usually find a deep route working back toward him. and He would be able to get that. Being able to get break the pocket and find that reliably was massive for Michigan. I mean, that is the was the difference on like key third downs a lot or, you know, what could have been a second and nine throwaway is now first and 10, right? All of those situations were like huge. I, I, I think that's elevating the talent around you like to a T, right? Your right tackle can fail miserably and we can still get a first down. That's elevating, right? But another way that quarterbacks elevate their talent is inside the pocket with their pocket movement. Um, let's say you're a guard 
and you get beat to the outside, your outside shoulder, um, you know, defensive tackle gets around you. This will happen, right? Your job now is to try to recover. So you flip your hips and you try to work that guy upfield um, and just kind of push him past the quarterback, essentially, right? As the quarterback, when that happens, you want to change your launch point to give that guy sort of a wider berth to get pushed past you, right? But you don't want to break the pocket entirely. This is, I complained about this with Drake May. He would just like, uh, he'd see that and he's off. He's taking off, he's scrambling, he's running around. It's like now, okay, this is schoolyard now. McCarthy won't do that. I mean, he can scramble and he's actually made some pretty cool plays with his legs, but that's not the instinct. The instinct is a quick reset just a little bit elsewhere in the pocket. You're not ruining any other O-line angles. You're not bringing any other D-linemen into the play that weren't coming anyways. Um, you're you're not exposing yourself to uh, more problems than that first one. You're not taking that first problem and making an action that turns it into two problems, right? Uh, and that will help the guard to recover, take that guy out of the play. And now that guard gets to say, look at this coach, I was in a bad situation and I made something work out of it. Couldn't do that without the quarterback, and I think that means you got elevated by your quarterback, right? I think that he does that. When you're in the pocket, what you want to see is wide feet. You want to see that base kind of, I mean, you want to like always be ready to throw, right? Because you never know when that window is going to come. So you don't want to have that window be ready where, oh, he's, he's you know, coming between the two linebackers right now, and it's now or never, and you have to throw, and your feet are together, and you're not ready, and you're not set up, and you'd have to take a step and hitch and do all this other stuff, and then the window would close, right? You want to stay ready at all times. He's really disciplined about this, um, and he doesn't bounce on his toes too much, like or like really at all. A little bit at the beginning of the national championship game, I think he was just a little nervous, and then he settled into it like after the first quarter, um, and that means that he's on that base, ready to find those things a lot. You know, with scramble rules especially or with late developing plays, with guys breaking open late into the play, it might it might feel a little bit lucky like all the time with, oh, you know, you got wide receiver, wide open receivers all the time. He's not that good, like that kind of thing. But I think you make your own luck in that way where it, you, you have to be ready to seize those opportunities. Over time, you will get some number of opportunities and you'll probably have some plays where you don't have an opportunity and plays where you do have an opportunity. And I think the best ones are always ready when there is that opportunity. That's why they say luck is the intersection of preparation of opportunity. I love that quote. Um, so when, when you're ready to throw at all times, again, it gives your receivers more time to work, right? It gives them the ability to make really cool plays. And because he can zip those balls and really put that mustard on it, you can actually test some of those tighter windows. And I think he could actually do with testing more tight windows. There were some turndowns that I didn't really like, uh, which is also a very Teddy Bridgewater thing. So <laughs> there's a lot about, about him that like reminds me of Teddy in, in, a, in a not great way uh, and the stuff I didn't like about Teddy over time. Obviously, you know, let's hope he doesn't tear up his knee as bad to, and, and we'll see how that career goes. And, and I, that's not like a full comparison. I don't think that they're quite the same guy. Uh, but... There are a couple of those weaknesses that they share. Um, I also just, I like the way that he, I like the fact that he can progress through the full field. I like watching him. He's, I think, the youngest of the big six, and it doesn't feel like he's the youngest of the big six. I also liked that he went through some more pro-style concepts and you could see him go through pro style progressions, maybe rushing through them a little bit, but like the seeds are there, the framework is there and you can't say that for a lot of college quarterbacks that you know I'll call them like kind of Saturday-ish guys 
that are either doing like pre-snap reads that are singular reads and one read and run and stuff like that. Like I, that was another critique that I really had of Drake May uh, was that too much. Of, I mean, there were times when he went full field, but too often it was pre-snap pick aside, and that's how UNC did things. That doesn't translate as well into the pros as, you know, here's your one, two, three, four kind of here's your read, right? That would translate really well into Minnesota. Um, and again, the scramble drills are good. The ability to create with his legs, there's zone read in there. There's QB draws in there. Like they really did like his ability on the ground, uh, and like designed plays specifically for that. Right. And it's, it's more that the, the ratio of those plays for drop back passes and zone read handoffs and stuff like that, I think just isn't to the liking of a lot of people. So I see a bigger role for him, right? When he comes in and he has to be part of a team, like if he comes to the Vikings and he has to throw 55 times a game because that's how that's how Kevin O'Connell wants to play it. I see, um, you know, in quick game, there is this, this hip flexibility that allows him to do some really, really difficult stuff from the shotgun that I think, A, it makes a zone read game kind of function. It's a really important part of zone read game is quarterbacks have to be able to essentially set themselves up at the mesh point, which means setting their feet up at a certain angle, usually 45 degrees pointing at the end man on the line of scrimmage. So you're basically looking at the edge rusher across from you. And then if that's not on your dominant side, you have to turn all the way back around without taking a whole bunch of steps. And some quarterbacks who don't have that hip flexibility, uh, like Jaden Daniels, will use their drop back, right? They'll do that play action and then they'll use their drop back to kind of angle their feet bit by bit with each step. And it's something I actually really like about Jaden Daniels is that he's good at that. It's a very pro move. And I think Jaden Daniels, Jaden Daniels and JJ McCarthy are the two guys I see as like, these are NFL style quarterbacks. And I think with Caleb Williams and Drake May, you're looking at, you know, these are not NFL style quarterbacks. Can that work anyways? Um, and I, you know, then that becomes the argument, right? Um, or I guess will that work anyways? Cause of course it can, anything is possible, but with, uh, with McCarthy, he has the hip flexibility where he doesn't have to use that. So you can still do play action, one step drop throw to either side of the field, which means that defenses don't get to say, Oh, if the running backs on that side, I know quick games, not on this side that gets, makes everything a lot harder. And, and those little subtle differences can be huge in a game plan. I mean, they can have huge, huge, huge impacts if a defense gets that little advantage. Suddenly, that means that they can flood certain parts of the field. They can change the way that they attack the run game and all of that stuff uh, in really material ways just because your quarterback doesn't have enough hip flexibility and, and can't execute quick game to the other side, right? So I see all of that stuff. If, if you want to run a lot of quick game to get him going, um, I, he has experience with play action under center end, uh, in the shotgun and those fakes look fine to me. The mechanics of that look fine to me. He can throw on the run. He can throw in the pocket. He can evade in the pocket. It feels like if you put the world on his shoulders in a way that Michigan could not, because you couldn't put the world on the passing game's shoulders because of everyone else. But it does feel like if you have semi-serious players up front and, you know, good receivers that you trust, uh, you can put the world on his shoulders, and I do think he can answer that bell. And if you don't think he can answer that bell, I'm perfectly willing to hear you out on why, but I don't want to hear proxy analysis. What I want to hear from you is, if you do not believe that, that I'm right about J.J. McCarthy, perfectly valid take, it's the draft, nobody knows anything, We're all this is all speculative. But tell me what it is 
about his game that will destroy him if he has to throw 50 times a game, right? And don't just say he didn't, therefore I don't think he can. If he does, what's going to happen that's bad? What are you afraid of? Um, but where I, I see this is as a, a potentially as a guy that I don't know if you take him at 11 or if you'd want to take him at 11, but if I end up hating Bo Nix, I might still end up saying like in a mock draft situation, yeah, I don't really want to mess around. Let's just overdraft him. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at right now, where it would be overdrafting him, but I might be okay with overdrafting him. And I think that that's a lot higher than a lot of people. And I'm perfectly comfortable with that because I think I can at least defend my take. And if you have a different one, defend yours and we can have a good conversation. All right. I'll see you guys tomorrow. And as always, skull.